A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Sandra Delaney. Hello, house. Welcome, producer Ferg. Welcome, Scout. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And Scout's here too. Okay. How's things? No. Let's not. <coughs> Let's well, not. Aoife Anderson. <coughs> Shout out to Aoife Anderson who sends us the creep of the week. Yes. Okay, so this is very exciting as well because this is taken, this is a photograph taken of an American newspaper. Okay. So I'm assuming Aoife Anderson. Is an American. Is one of our American listeners. American. One American. Very exciting. Okay. Anytime I want to try and convince my mother that I have a real job, I say, we we have fans in the tens in the Americas. Don't All over the world. All over the world. Downgrade what we do. Maisley having to oh, a job. Shit, that reminds me. I keep meaning to read this out. I'll read it out in a sec. Okay, so first off, this comes in from Aoife Anderson. Um, I'm taking us to Montrose, Colorado. Colorado, home Ec- of the hats. <laughs> Where, Where from you get? Nowhere. Just from inside your mind? Just chap, put your chaps on. <laughs> Tallest hat in the world, county Colorado. Yeehaw. Absolutely. Okay. Dry as a bone. <laughs> so, contender for the creep of the week Who's Undertaker Jen? sells bodies. An undertaker in Colorado has admitted to stealing and selling body parts. We're always at we this. We did this. We did. We did a good creep on the seedy black market of bodies. Yes. Okay, but we didn't talk about Megan Hess, 45. No. No, owner of the Sunset Mesa Funeral Home, mm. sold arms, legs, spines and heads to surgical training firms 
via a broker company she'd set up. All the paperwork, I'm impressed. She's also thought to have extracted and sold gold teeth. Mm. Now, that is low. No, gold teeth is how it starts. I'd say snap those spines out and pop them in the post. That's okay with me. But are you kidding? Pliering gold teeth out of someone's head. Oh no, I'd say it's a gold filling and you just get one of those little hooky tools and... Well, they have said teeth, not gold filling. Also, who has solid gold fillings? Same people who go for gold teeth. Nah, nah, these are teeth. Okay, families, <laughs> some of whom were given cut price deals to lure them in, assumed, that's a lesson to you now, buy cheap, buy twice with an undertaker. What did they say about assuming? Makes anyway, they assumed that their dead relatives wouldn't be chopped up and sold for parts. <laughs> no, they assumed their dead relatives had been cremated. But the urns she gave them contained other material. Like cats and dogs. Cat litter. It's got to be cat litter. Oh, cat litter itself, yeah. I tell you, if you, there's some very not finely ground cremains, as they're known in the industry, this that is look like, like cat litter. People getting upset about the badgers. Like, the, your loved one is gone to another place. This is just a meat suit. Don't be getting upset. Well, I would want a cut if well, you were that, selling off bits, see, of bits and pieces of my loved one. You're ripping me off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And don't give me this fucking urn of Dust discards. Of Henry the Hoover. Yeah. The Dyson. She admitted to defrauding at least a dozen families and she could be facing up to 20 years in jail. Oh, mm. dear. I know. And I'll tell you. The upkeep on that hair Let's is going to be murder in prison. Undertaker's growing. Her roots are going to be fucking shocking. Oh, yeah. Mm. We're looking I at... I have to say, she looks bouffant. a lot like a predator. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't trust sorry. her as far as I'd throw her. She's Do every you look have to say that? Oh, Do you have to? She looks like a banon tea. Now, our dear American she does. listeners... Oh my God, fully know, banon She does look like a banon tea. Well, but no, banon, banon teas do not look is. like predators. Well, I'm sure some people might disagree. Um, okay, so... That's a predator in. doesn't necessarily have to be child related. A predator just means sort of a hunter. <laughs> hunter. Doesn't it? A hunter of the humans. Like a baddie. A baddie. Okay. This is pretty exciting. Baddie right? on teeth. Go on. Yeah. Um this is harking back to our Club Kids episode, right? Yeah. Um our pal Annie. Sarkissian, who I believe is also of the uh, American contingent here at the pod, um, has messaged me right after listening to the two-parter on Club Kids. If you haven't caught it, it's a few episodes back on the Patreon. Currently listening to The Creep Dive, losing my mind because I worked at a PR <gasps> firm in New York representing DJ Kiyoki in the no early 2000s. So as we recall, DJ Kiyoki was Michael Alex's kind of boyfriend and he was the guy who famously rested the drink on top of the box. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I moonlit at a restaurant with, where Paul Astor was a regular. Get and Paul Astor was the father of Daniel Astor who met the very tragic end yes. at the end of the Club Kids saga. And he Indeed. was the third person who was supposed to have been in the apartment when the murder took place yes 
Annie says I had no idea about any of this how did I not know and now some of this coming in in real time I love when someone's texting and it's real like this just in and now this she goes still listening oh my god Amanda Lepore used to show up at a party I would sometimes work which was called the motherfucker it was the best Annie, I love your life. Okay, she goes, just finished it. Heading over to the hive. Dying to hear this. <laughs> I knew about Michael Alec, etc. And I knew Kiyoki came out of the club kid days, but I need to hear about the stepson. So, the, oh my God, well, a saga. Then she's like, she gets back, just finished. Oh my God, that was so good and so tragic. And then I was just like, Annie, what the fuck? This is amazing. And then she goes, I knew about the club kids and Party Monster, but I'd never seen the movie. I thought it was all Alec and Angel and Free. Mm-hmm. I said, Jesus, your proximity to all these peeps is insane, wisers. And she says, I've been lucky enough to hand a, land a few interesting jobs with enough interesting people to trot out a story whenever I feel like I need attention. <laughs> But the restaurant in particular had loads of famous regulars. It was a gorgeous place in the West Village. A 24-hour French bistro and the food was great and affordable and you never knew who you'd bump into. It was before iPhones and ubiquitous cameras, but now I wish I'd fangirled more. The motherfucker party was heaven on earth. I started going in 2003 and a lot of the organizers came out of the club kids era. They looked at how dance music was leaning towards electronica and wanted a night with what they considered to be the original gender-bending sex-positive be-who-you-are genres. Rock pump punk glam etc so they'd have a live band and spin bowie and iggy and the scissor sisters all night it was heaven and while it was sexy and filthy and dazzling it was supposed to step away from the violence the club kids had experienced Mm. although i do remember my friend rick wearing a costume that looked covered in blood for some reason but it was a safe space for everyone whether in drag or trans or non-binary or a dumbass hipster and everyone showed up looking phenomenal doesn't that look just so good yes Mm. so good um so how cool that's deadly annie uh was there in the 2000s less than 10 years after all of that went down and still rocking out with her cock out at the motherfucker so fucking good so here we all are you have a meaty number for us i certainly do meat is the word interesting yeah Cass, do you have anything to a little nugget for us here today uh let me tell you about some pink sauce <laughs> yes um, so this is really this it, this is one of those things that like you come across slightly on tiktok and then it starts like filtering into like all of my newsletters i love the techie newsletters from like buzzfeed and insider and there's this there's this one from buzzfeed called please be my friend or please like me and it's all about internet culture which is fascinating and then there's another one that i subscribe to from i think it's business insider it's called passion fruit and again it's all about uh so it's from the daily dot and they're all these very niche internet behavior newsletters and i lap them up i'm like get them into me i love them eat them lie lie awake at night time reading them um so this thing called pink sauce started going viral on tiktok i was from a user um called chef pie so carly pie uses the handle at chef dot pie p double i and she started she had this like vibrant pink sauce that she kept putting on everything huh. uh, like on uh, savory or sweet um it seemed to be savory 
so she was a very normal internet user before this pink sauce. If there is such a thing. But yeah. before, but like she had like less than a thousand followers on TikTok. And now, since, no, since, <laughs> you know, since she created this pink sauce, she jumped to 80,000 followers and over 3 million likes. So this Amazing. sauce, people were like, what is it? This is like your one and the rice, the salmon rice bowl. Exactly. Like the basic One small thing on TikTok just pushes you to, like, in front of millions of people then all of a sudden everyone has an insight into your life let's have a look at pictures of this stuff so oh, it's pink um yeah it's it's like it's interesting but everyone started being like you know what is it like i i want to know um you know what it tastes like and she was really vague about the taste so she was putting on everything from like chicken to tacos to like dipping stuff into it um, it's illuminous il- pink. Yes, and it's then like also neon. It's kind of baby pink, isn't it? It's got, so it's, so the one so she kind of she got to a point where it's baby oh, pink, but yeah. before that it was before it was baby pink. It was like a hot pink, <clears throat> like a <laughs> not like food, like a Barbie yeah. pink. Yes, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, you'd be like like melted down plastic. Yeah, not exactly. That it's so. Like, unappealing i mean you eat with your eyes you're like yeah. this stuff is that so intriguing it does not but go like, inside a body it looks like you know pepto-bismol it's like yes, that kind exactly. of exactly it really it, and it looks viscous like it looks yeah. really thick and weird sloppy so when asked about you know the sauce uh chef p was really pie was really vague and she was like honestly it just has its own taste like if you want to taste it buy it it goes on sale tonight um, she <laughs> described it as sweet, savory, and seasoned, which mm. would all of the things, which would like <laughs> arguably describe most foods. Yeah. All foods is either <laughs> sweet, savory, was her or content seasoned. mukbang. So before this, before this TikTok, she did create mukbang videos for YouTube, and she also had a a food brand, a restaurant, or something. That was operating out of an incubator space called Flavor. I have to bring this up here. It was called um, Crazy Flavor or something. This like the name you would give a restaurant if you didn't like food, you know, <laughs> like Flavor Crazy or like <laughs> Flavor Town. Puss wound. Yeah, something like <laughs> really crusty. Licky lick, pusty crust. <laughs> it just licky lick. Very strange. Did you know that mukbang originated? Okay, from go on. solo eating populations. So South Korea, and uh, they got actors and actresses just to eat on television, and people used to eat with them. Yeah. Did you know that? Interesting, isn't it? I actually thought it had come from kind of like a, a loneliness exactly. alleviating well, that's it. kind that, of Exactly method. that. So, yeah. 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 Um, okay, um, so sorry. what's in it? Sorry, the restaurant was called Flavor Crazy. <laughs> where <laughs> so she generic. reportedly had um, pink sauce on the menu and she said that, you know, pink sauce. So it opened, that restaurant opened in 2021. 2021 yeah has since closed very hard times though in the service very industry. hard times but she can't very... just serve sauce no but she was serving other things like flavor crazy wings and flavor crazy 
um, macaroni and cheese okay. and rasta pasta, which was um, seafood and rice. Just mad stuff. So that, yeah, uh-huh. that, it, the, the address given for Flavor Crazy indicates that the venture was run out of a Miami kitchen incubator, which is kind of a shared ah. commercial space. So maybe one of these virtual restaurants. Got a hold of her interesting virtual restaurants are another thing that i'm fascinated with right what's a virtual restaurant so it's a restaurant that doesn't have a physical premises they just rent a kitchen you can order them off the delivery services mr beast used to do this exactly with burgers heinz have just launched one in the uk what are heinz heinz have a breakfast delivery service now in the uk that's a virtual kitchen it's very interesting business model for like if people who want to own a restaurant but are introverted <laughs> don't want to but deal with customers and actually visit a restaurant if you're a customer not. at the restaurant the virtual restaurant do you like you do any kind of like vr or immersive kind of no, thing no, so online there's no physical place so it's it just truly like, is it's just, just so there's delivery one, there's yes. delivery right there is a virtual restaurant that They're operates pretending. out of a kitchen here in um in ranala and it's called chicken house and it's incredible it's open really late and it's uh it, there was a couple of times during lockdown. Like you're just getting takeaway, and they have made you believe you're experiencing a the virtual future. restaurant. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a, a virtual it's a kitchen. Branding. Yeah. There's a really interesting um, podcast about that. Always, there always is. There's an interesting <laughs> podcast called "The Land of Giants." Do a four-part episode on the food delivery services. I'm so exciting. This is my life. Anyway, the four okay. It's a really interesting look at the food delivery services as a business model and how they don't serve anybody except for the people who own the businesses. Mm. That they do not they serve the restaurants the and they screw the delivery yeah. drivers. So it's interesting to look at and examine and look at the businesses that we all support on the daily. Anyway, they talk about virtual restaurants. It's fascinating. It's just, I'm really interested. But anyway, Chef Pie, she seemed to maybe operate a virtual restaurant or I don't know whether it was a physical restaurant or whatever. But one of the breakthrough stars of this flavor, crazy, crazy flavor place was this pink sauce. So she brings the pink sauce to TikTok and it starts to go viral, possibly because people are confused by it (laughs) and really want to know what it tastes like. And she's refusing to tell us. And she's, they want to know what's in it. And she's just not giving anything away which would start to drive you fucking crazy. So on the 1st of July, Pi opens a website called thepinksauce.com. TikTok is a buzz. Customers are like, fuck yes, $20 a bottle. I'm in. Give me this viral condiment. (laughs) This is the world we live in, right? This is like the Cronuts cues back in like 2004. Yeah. Fucking seven. Pro yo, all over again. Do you remember the cereal oh, restaurant is for sale. Yeah, it's it's um things have not. Shit, that was a no, fast. Thepinksauce.com. All right, sorry, thank you. So, Pie described herself. I'm not your average chef. As an expressional artist, I love thinking outside the box. I have an innovative style of cooking. I connect with my audiences by posting recipes, mouthwatering food videos, and mixology illusions, right? So this just has all of the illusions of someone who... Nonsense. One morning, or is like trying to hand out a couple of different things and is like, I want to be a a chef today. And as we know... This is a genius idea. But you have to... Food is... The worst industry. It's a difficult industry. Your product but, is perishable. But you also got to, I think, do a lot of research and, you know, 
do it. You need to. You need to cross many barriers before you can sell food to the public. Oh, we order some. Rightly so. Let's order some. Here we go. So the infamous dipping sauce that everyone's raving about. Our mission to excite you with our with, to excite your taste buds with flava, and thrill <laughs> you with our creativity. Yeah. So in one video she posts on TikTok, she had a couple of child taste testers. One described it as sweet like ranch. Another mm. said it was spicy. Oh. Um, and then when she decided to start selling it at $20 a bottle, are you ordering some? I am. Yeah, I just thought Let's take this time it. to phone it in an order for us. Yeah, I'm just looking for my American address, pal. Um, so <laughs> when asked... Great service by Ampost. <laughs> when asked about the nutritional information... Um, the ingredient list answered some questions, but not many. According to the website, it contained water, sunflower seed oil, raw honey, distilled mm. vinegar, garlic, pitaya. What's pitaya, So pitaya is dragon fruit, which Ooh. may give it its pink coloring. Pink Himalayan sea salt, and then 2% of dried spices, lemon juice, milk, and citric acid. Right. So but one of the things that was confusing was that it, it looks like it's like got a consistency of something like a mayonnaise like yeah, it's it looks like, like a garlic dipping sauce, sauce. it looks like garlic sauce like. would it have emulsified the rapeseed oil or something that's it it's like the sunflower seed oil and milk would that be the thing that it emuls the fat that it emulsifies with milk? because there's very there's is there's a real lack of like fat in there which you need obviously for oil honey you're right Cass it's just a strange mix of the oil though I mean if you started with the oil base and added everything in whisking all the time. I Would that emulsify to get to that thickness? That thickness. Is there no kind of artificial, there's nothing artificial additional oh, that she's not it. declaring? Contains sunflower seed oil, milk, no. may contain soy Like you would think eggs. it looks like some sort of, you think that if there was, you know, an egg yeah. yolk or something that that would give you the base. It feels very much to me like she's dying ranch pink. Like yeah. I'm just going to put it out there and say yeah. it. It feels like she's taking an already existing sauce and putting something into it because this does not make well, much sense. Well, I think sense. there'd be no shelf life if they'd included an egg. But a mayonnaise. But your mayonnaise, they can put in bits and bobs to oh, make it. To stabilize it. Yeah. Okay. I see. Anyway, off she goes and she starts making it gets her little squeezy bottles and her pink labels her pink sauce labels and of course it starts to blow up and um, in what actually in one article here on salon the whole discussion is about how is this sauce thick yes. <laughs> interesting um and they're saying perhaps the splash of milk has made it creamy but it just everyone's a bit baffled gonna have to like try it at home as well are we we're gonna have to try i'm gonna try and make some dragon fruit maybe fallon and burn i was gonna say lots and co that's a fancy grocer ingredient if i ever um so one tiktok user uploaded a picture of the sauce here this is where it all starts to go awry so she's made this sauce at home she hasn't had any sort of interference or or clearance clearance with anyone department and she gets this pink sauce pops it in the post and what happens it starts to fucking explode in the post so it starts to go either busting up in the packaging and then people are just getting these rotten smelling packages or it's coming in that kind of you know when you i don't know if you, you know when 
you open a jar or something that started to like oil on top no Separated. you get that little oh and the it's gas kind of oh it's, it's fermenting like fermenting oh, inside yeah. so there's need something to be burped because these are in plastic like a yeah like a, the ferment when you're when you're brewing things or making yeah. kimchi or any of those things that have natural occurring bacteria in it it does release gas and you have to drain it out or whatever normal part of making drinks and sauces and blah 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 but she has them in plastic squeezy bottles and there's some sort of gas production happening while they're in the post uh -oh. so they're exploding all over the postal service they're exploding and people who get them or people are getting them many she's like she's the sold bomber loads kind of pink gloop or else people murdery. have gotten them and they're um exploding gloop they're like not exploded Huge. yet but just about to explode oh, you know in the post so everyone's terrified everyone's another another big massive discrepancy is that she, on the nutritional facts <laughs> she's indicated that a typical serving is one tablespoon and each bottle contains 444 servings so um which is actually wow. not probably not accurate um well if tablespoon is supposed to be like 15 mils 15 mils by 444 Somebody do them now. Carry the eight. <laughs> Quite a lot. Um, so people are basically getting all excited about the pink sauce, having paid, spent the $20. It's arriving and they're like, can't actually taste it. One reviewer held up a bottle and um, remarked like it was it was incredibly expanded. And they were like, this is there's something in here that shouldn't be in here because this makes no sense if it's behaving like this. Um, one reviewer opened the package said the condiment was warm Ooh. smelt really bad oh another person oh. said it just smelled like ranch um and so it has prompted like the fda and a lot of food regulation <coughs> boards to come speak up and basically say please do not buy unregulated food items for strangers on the internet no matter yes. how viral it goes mm -hmm. oh. some suggestions that it's the raw honey that's creating the gas oh, due to natural bacteria yes that's the very but thing. um still no um real answers but chef pie not deterred is like hey Good guys um there was some issues yeah, yeah. We'll move on elephant in the room there are a couple of issues <laughs> i my apologies Hands there's up. 30 servings in a boat in a thing not 444 and i'm working with yeah. the fda to sort this all out we're back in the lab testing and we'll go again yeah um, so she said don't be not she's 100 confident she's gonna bounce back from this and that she's just doing a few tweaks and the pink sauce will be available soon again. But as you can see there on the website, it looks like it's still available. Yes. They're still selling it. No official kind of approval from any kind of government health board. Yeah, so... Um, Not ideal to be buying stuff like that, though. But you know it? what's good is that we live in a world where you can make a mad sauce here's a video of someone say oh yeah another person saying that like it had curdled that there was blue mold in it oh, oh god um yeah this but poor um woman. I, mean, I know it's just it's just she's been trying her best she look she may still be on to the next best thing like, i still really want to know what it tastes like though so let's buy a bottle she's um yeah she no. said that she sold like 700 bottles so far. $20 a pop? That's pretty good. Is it? 
or is it actually one thousand four hundred dollars? Oh, I see. Is it still though? good? I don't know. I don't do no, maths hang on. very well. Are you saying it's? Let's see. So it's prompted loads of chefs as well to grand. go on and try and um, recreate recreate it based on the uh, ingredients list on our page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Have people trying to, to create it. No, everyone's like, you cannot make a sauce this color or consistency with those ingredients. <laughs> She's lying. Um, which is fascinating. And you know what? I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do some research for us guys. I love making a sauce. Let's do it, Cass. I'm gonna try it. Uh, do you, tell us about your meat. Fi- are we still on the? Are we back in food with you, Soph? Okay. No. But kind of meat. Okay. Meat. This now, I feel you guys might know the story, but then again, who knows? But it's fun. Go on. Okay, so I'm taking you back to World War Two. Oh, love it! It's nineteen forty-three. Beautiful. Yeah. Tea dresses, smoking it's, it's with probably those long not, things. I saw the best of times. Not the worst of times. Mostly the worst, though. Oh, medieval times must have been worse. I don't know. This is a, there is a mass. Well, where are we in the world? going on. Europe, nineteen forty-three. Right. Not ideal. Yeah. Okay. Little little person, you might know as Campbell's tomato soup was up to no good oh yeah (laughs) old Hitler Campbell himself (laughs) Uh, (laughs) for those those crafty Campbell's how did they get away with that really fool me once that was really one of those moments oh my (laughs) god Um, okay (laughs) <laughs> so Europe Europe under the sway of Campbell's soup mm-hmm. it's a Nazi fucking plague is what it is Uh-oh. and in 1943 so we know the war ends a year year later but it was still very much up for grabs who was going to win this thing in 1943 mm-hmm. yeah the place was overrun with Nazi scum and the allies were not completely joined in forces fucking flaily negotiating yes. yes and they had a whole plan uh churchill winston winston yeah <laughs> fucking prick fucked <laughs> arland over anyway didn't he he's a bit of a prick a bit he? yeah a bit of a gigantic prick yeah sorry to just go off on one now especially for our beloved english listeners well they are not him no, exactly. So anyway, Churchill was like, we need to go, we need to get into mainland Europe. Yes. And get these fuckers out <laughs> by hell or high water. What is Winston <laughs> Churchill's famous, we will fight them on the beaches. We will. We will. Have you, it's like you've met him. You look like you, him. This is wild. What's Do the, your Winston Churchill give me thing. That quote we, there. <laughs> we will fight them on the beach. It's no. my uh, horse throat. What did I say? It's also your your scouse accent that you thought you wasn't. <laughs> All right, now we'll fight them on the beaches. Well, they fucking did. They did. Go on. Okay, go on. <laughs> okay. So Churchill was like, we need to go in up through the soft gusset of Europe. France. 
very much wrong. <laughs> Fucking gusset. Oh, go hungry. lower. Go lower. Greece. Yeah, Greece. They were looking at Greece. They were looking at Sicily. France is like the purse nipple. It would be the diaphragm, would it? <laughs> Who'd be the diaphragm? Estonia. Like down here in Greece and shit. That's the soft gusset. The under gusset. Sardinia. Italy. Sicily. Anyway. The whole fucking world knew that this was what they needed to do. This was like everyone. Hitler knew that the Allies needed to come up through the gusset if yeah. they had to, were to stand a chance. Goebbels knew. Yes. Mm. Churchill. Goebbels' mom Like knew. the honey badger. Enter from the anus. Churchill's ball sack knew. Everyone in the world knew. So it was tough because they didn't want Hitler to know their plan. Even though it was very obvious to literally every person that this was their only option. So they were like, we need something to kind of do a bit of misdirection. Oh, okay. slip of the hand. I yeah. found the whole quote. Do you want it? Go on. We shall fight them on the beaches. <laughs> <laughs> we shall fight on the landing grounds and we shall fight in the fields and also the streets. <laughs> we'll fight in the hills. And we shall never surrender. And even if, which I do not for a moment believe, this island or a large part of it were subjected to and starving. Uh, that's the end of the quote. <laughs> <laughs> Jen. Listen. Have you June heard... June 4th, 1940. Churchill's speeches. Queen's speeches, yes. Many, many times. We shall fight on the beaches. <laughs> and then what happened? No. They came up with... No, no, time. I we think wanted... we deserve a cameo. Good. It was good. Very good. That's what you sound like all the time. Very good, Jen. I I can't believe that we denigrated your incredible impression. Okay, so January, January nineteen forty-three, they had a special conference called the Casablanca conference Mm. and at the conference they were like right we're going to invade in July Mm -hmm. and we're going in through Sicily and they made the plan that was it set in stone but the biggest job now was to keep it fucking quiet that that was what they were doing okay so rolling back a couple of years um, to 1939, right? We'd a lad, a man called John Godfrey, right? And he sent out something called the Trout Memo, hmm. um, which was written by Ian Fleming. Get out! Yeah, James Bond. You got a chin. You were like a British historian today over there. Very good. So. Uh, Ian Fleming at the time was Lieutenant Commander Ian Fleming. And um, so this trout memo, mem- <laughs> trout memo thing was all about um, kind of tactics, war tactics and things like that. Um, and the reason they called it the trout memo was because fishermen are very wily. 
You thought they were just lazy and boring, didn't you? <laughs> but apparently they're very wily. They're always thinking, up here for thinking, as they say. And they change their bait, apparently, so that the fish don't get bored. Remember, that was what had the hook in it the last time I tried to eat it. So they're always changing up the bait and they're changing up the venues of where they fish. And so the uh, kind of spy network and stuff wanted to emulate the fishermen and figure out ideas for how to kind of keep the Nazis guessing, keep them on their toes. Well, that's right. They would have sent out tons and tons of fake plans. They did that all the time, yeah. To confuse the enemy. So, we're coming on Tuesday. Tuesday. (laughs) And, of course, that would be a lie. (laughs) (laughs) It would be the Friday. Oh, yeah. Crafty. Okay, so this tryout memo was a place where they were going to spitball ideas to think outside the box because your friend Winston Churchill yeah. had a little bit of a fixation fishing about what he called corkscrew thinking <gasps> pig's dick yeah we could call that pig's dicking that's right and what is corkscrew thinking I'll tell you what it's not straight line thinking <laughs> <laughs> so Churchill thought Hitler thought in straight lines <laughs> really? Very good. Happy to hear it, Jen. It's having a great time. Go on. So Cork, I think screw thinking. That's right. Um Yeah. It's just like thinking outside the box. It's just like, you know, disruptors. They were yeah. like the original disruptors, you know. So the tryout memo had fifty one different suggestions for different types of corkscrew thinking. thinking. And in at number 28 on the list was an entry called a suggestion, brackets, not a very nice one. Mm. So this suggestion. Can I just stop you there for a second? No. What if no, Jen? What if no? You'd have to keep it in, wouldn't you? You'd have to swallow it back inside yourself. It's a question. And keep it inside. (laughs) So the trite memo was a list of ways to spoof. To fuck with the Nazis, yeah. Which would have been the worst thing for the Nazis to find. Well, that's the risk they were taking, Well, surely you're putting all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. You're just absolutely fooling me again and again and again. And then (laughs) writing a list of ways that you're being, you're fooling. It's not a good Uh, idea, the tryout memo. uh, (laughs) They should have split it up into at least 24 different messages individually. Don't worry about that now because the deed is done. We won. Mm. No, it took millions we. to die, but it came good in the end. So don't worry, your little head. Tell me about number 21. Okay, so a suggestion, not a very nice one. So here we go. Um, this suggestion was actually lifted out. And remember, uh, Ian Fleming is the author of this memo. Jeez. And this suggestion was used in a book that had been published a couple of years previously. By him. No, it was a book by a guy called Basil Thompson. Oh. And... There aren't enough people called Basil anymore. Oh my God, the Englishness of the names in this story. I forgot to tee us up for that. You think Basil's exciting? Just wait. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's we it. have a Bentley. Oh. Yeah, we have a purchase. A who? Oh. A who now? A purchase on what now? Okay, so Thompson had been... This is the guy, Basil. 
Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. The author of this book, right? Um, he'd been a spy in World War I, okay, before he became a novelist. Okay. Interesting. So I'm just saying there's lots of spies and then they do novels. That's oh, yeah. a yeah. bit of a thing. And this I thought was an interesting fact about him. He went to Oxford and he was in Oxford at the same time as Montague John Druitt, who you might remember or recognize is one of the suspects for who Jack the Ripper was. Get out! So funny. Isn't that funny? Small world. Anyway, back to Trout Memo. Let's Um, go. So... The idea, a suggestion, not a very nice one, was a corpse dressed as an airman Mm. with information and dispatches in his pockets could be dropped on the coast, supposedly from a parachute that's failed and that the enemy might find the corpse. Little did they know pockets were full of lies. Exactly. Mm. Pockets full of lies. Um, and what they'd be like, they'd never do this. It's distasteful yes, to use a corpse. Yes, it's distasteful. Yes. Yes. They'd never do this to purchase O'Reilly. Even in the memo, he, he says, I understand that there is no difficulty in obtaining corpses, mm. but it would have to be a fresh one. What about an enemy corpse? So, well, there's all kinds of issues with that because uh, they had to kind of plan for the likelihood that an autopsy would be done. Mm. And like... I don't know, they just felt, it just, there was differences. Like, even just, it's not like that, like, a German man might look so different to an English man, but, like, Someone maybe might recognize a telltale There could be skin. just tells or something. Anyway, so that was it. They were going to plant fake documents. They were like, this is the suggestion. You'd plant fake documents that would be found by the enemy. They'd actually done it before a couple of times um, in the first world war and but kind of in a more casual way yeah this Mm. the way i'm about to tell you is a bit more kind of you know intense intense so um they had a committee mi5 right in the second world war mission impossible had a committee called uh the 20 committee and interesting side note the 20 committee uh it was called the 20th committee because in Roman numerals, 
XX is 20. So it's a little visual pun on the kiss, phrase kiss. double crossing. Oh, mm. clever. Ooh, and kiss kiss. Clever. Yes. LOL. Exactly. Lots of love. Things so, can be confusing. Here we go. Remember, we're back in the spring of 1939. July is when they're invading. Mm-hmm. They, they have decided the they're going to do the suggestion, not a very nice one, and they're going to plant a corpse in Europe to be found by Nazis with incorrect intel on it. Right. Now, they needed to make sure that the Nazis had time to find the corpse and enough time between finding the corpse and July to for the Nazis to rearrange their own plans into the fake info. Where was yeah. the fake I mean? info sending them? Not to the gusset. Not to the gusset, exactly. So, I'll get to that now. Right, the lads in charge of this whole, like, shenanigans. Because it's 20. very shenanigans-y. Mm. It's a little... There's a lot of variables now. There's a ta- lot of things yes. that could go wrong here. Yeah. yeah. There's and a lot how of, like... is the information stored? Like, is it just on a folded piece of paper? Has he got, like, a little file of facts? Well, exactly. This all now starts to read like somebody asked us to organise this. Okay. So here we go. Lads in charge. Ewan Montague. Ewan. Interesting fact about Ewan. Welsh. He invented the rules for ping pong. Oh, that yeah. is interesting. I know. Isn't it? When he was at college. Yeah. Easy enough though. And he had a brother. Yeah, a brother like who girls. turned like spy tennis. for the Soviets. Who? His brother? Yeah. Interesting. Um, Ian Montague was in the Navy, but had never gone on any boats. And wuss. his partner kind of heading up the whole operation was Charles. Charles Mondeley. <laughs> This oh, guy, you here would be a great hoot in Two Truths and a Lie. Yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. yes. I was in the Navy, but I've never, never been, been on a boat. boat. I invented, invented the rules of ping pong. Or my brother is a Soviet spy. Who Brilliant. am I? They're all true, though. Yes. I've lived a varied life. <laughs> anyway, his friend here, Charles Chalmondley. Now, uh, here on, I'm going to be calling him Chumley. Cool. Uh, because as much as his name very much is not spelled Chumley, apparently that's how it's pronounced. So Chumley was in the Air Force, but never flew. Another well, spoofer. They kind of were just a bit of a duo. Do you know that kind of way? I can imagine them introducing each other and being like, this is Montague. He's in the Navy. He's never been on a boat. Montague's like, this is my friend Chumley. He's never been, he's in a plane, but he's never been on a plane. You know what I mean? <laughs> anyway, their whole role basically in the war effort became this project to basically do a kind of a weekend at Bernie's style amazing. vibe amazing to befuddle I feel like the, the three of us would have been given that kind of a role That's in the army That's what I mean definitely this is what we'd be like keep doing. them busy they're annoying put everyone. them in an office give them a crazy job Just let them think they're doing exactly. a scheme if they They'll fail it's fine they may succeed let's take the risk so here we go the lads Montague and Chumley, three months they had. Three months. Get a like body. I said, they needed enough time for the Nazis to find the corpse and then for the Nazis to react on their side. And the corpse needed to be fresh. Mm-hmm. And they needed to put a fucking whole lot of backstory in place before they could even get a body. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what they decided was that they wanted the body to be found in Spain. So Spain, Spain at this point was moment. kind of like on paper neutral. Okay. But the there Nazis was a Nazi presence there. Oh, and um, so Chumley was like, okay, here we go. Let's go, girls. 
So was the plan so... So what they knew was, right, this is interesting. They identified who they wanted to find the body. Right. So they literally were trying to be this specific. They knew that there was this really particularly stupid Nazi in Spain. Yeah. York. And they really wanted to make sure that he was the person who picked up the corpse. Oh, that's really setting up a guy who's probably already had a tough time. Had he's had a bad war. Guys. Yeah. He was a Nazi. True. No, but true. like a bad one. So what they were planning the Nazis were was mean to him. They'd get a body from one of the London hospitals. They were going to fill the lungs of the body with water. Keep mm-hmm. it fresh. So that it looked like the body had died of drowning. And they were going to have the documents on an inside pocket. And they were going to get the body dropped off the coast and that basically they they were hoping that the assumption in the enemy's mind would be that one of an aircraft had been shot down and that this was one of the passengers or whatever exactly floated ashore exactly lots of variables here though so what they needed to do was create a fake persona for who the hell this man this corpse was supposed to be so they invented a major they called him William Martin and they in the war as you said earlier like they had a lot of form for all this kind of lying like yes they used to send out um, tons of spoof intel to try and throw Nazis off the scent hither and thither I think it used to be coming back the opposite direction a fair bit as well yes Um, like loads and loads throughout the war loads of transmissions who to trust that's it. I mean, Cass. that's the thing. And, right, at one point earlier in the war, they had created what we could now say was an early catfish web. Oh. So they invented, this was Chumley and Montague's handiwork as well, they invented loads of spies and fed Nazis spoof intel. So basically, on the Nazi side, they thought that they had loads and loads of, like, turncoats mm. um, on the English side. Double bluffed. But they were all... They weren't even real people pretending to be turncoats. They were just not even real people at all. They were original sock puppet accounts. It was just the two lads right. sending messages Yes, back. yes. And pretending to be all these different like majors and admirables. Your and German like would have to be impeccable. Well, they were saying they were English, but that they were defectors. Oh. That they agreed with the mission. Mm, exactly. So anyway, back to our, our lads in the year 43. They've got the whole spring to work on this fake Major William Martin. So they knew that he had to have, when he was found, believable, what is known as pocket litter. So that's bits of crap in your pockets. Yeah. Li- absolutely. So, you know, if you meet anyone at any given time and look through their pockets or look in their bag, they're going to have a load of bullshit. Yes. What you got, Cass? A lot of ticket I did not win. Poop bags. And Poop bags for the doggy. That's it. They're in my pocket. And me. Absolutely nothing. I know. I, we moved human. through the world leaving no trace, Jen. Yes. Um, okay, so you had to have believable pocket litter, right? So they wanted, for example, a picture of uh, Major yeah. William Martin's girl at home. His best girl, his fiance. Right. right. All the gals in the MI5 office wanted to be the fiance <laughs> who they named Pam. <laughs> Eventually, uh, one of the women called Jean Leslie um, got to be Pam. 
and she supplied a lovely pic of herself on a beach. Tits out. Uh, uh, just kind of purse. Yeah. Like tits present. Cool. Yes, very present. And they also, the gals in the office also fought over who got to write the love letters that they were going to have in Major William Martin's uh, le- pockets. And in the end, the very sexily named Hester Leggert did it. <laughs> Hell of a blowjob. <laughs> um, they said a few sources I read took pains to mention that Hester Leggert was a spinster. She was probably about 19, just didn't have a boyfriend or yeah. a girlfriend. They were like spinster. Um, and and a few people really condescendingly were like, even though she was a spinster, she still seemed to know how to write a love letter and they seemed to work. Oh, and I was like, wow, fuck those guys. Yeah. Hester Leggert could have been legend. Yeah. Anyway, she was probably writing all the hot girls. Yeah. Anyway, Chumley took it upon himself to wa- wear the fictional major's uniform every single day. So that it would give it that worn in look. Because he couldn't just be in a new uniform. Mm. Just like there couldn't be anything that was even slightly off to the Nazis finding this body. Yes. And like a weird box fresh uniform at, in the last years of the war would be weird, you know. So he, Chumley, wore the uniform every single day. And then like going even more method, Chumley, no wait, Montague had an affair with Jean Leslie, a.k.a. Pam, the fiancé. So basically Montague was, they were kind of, they basically kind of started LARPing a bit around the office. Yeah. They're having a great time. Chumley's wearing the outfit. Montague's pretending to be Bill and banging Pam, uh, even though he had a family, but he'd already shipped them off to the States. Um, Yeah, so it got very method, a bit LARPy. Um, Things that were kind of wacky a lot of the time during World War II, especially in the kind of intelligence side of things. Yeah. For example, slight Roald Dahl digression. Do you know Roald Dahl was a spy during yes. World War II? Yes. And he was actually in, he was an airman first and seemingly terrible plane. about it. Yeah. <laughs> terrible at it. Well, he was like about six foot four and barely fit in a plane. Like the planes they had at the time. And he had a few outings anyway and didn't go well anyway. And so they moved him and they said, look, you can go into intelligence. You're not, you're literally not built for a plane. And apparently his main job, he was dispatched to Washington. And his main job was to like get with the wives of officials in Washington and like get shit out of them. Oh, apparently Operation this was for America. <laughs> Apparently this is before America was like totally decided on entering the war And there was elements of Nazi sympathy going on in America Okay And like as we know very much so with the whole fact that they cherry picked all of their favorite Nazi scientists And never prosecuted them for war crimes And then just tucked them into the American eugenics program That's it, Ultra was all run by ex-Nazi Exactly, exactly So isn't that interesting about Roald Dahl? Yes Now I will say, I read one thing where it was like, yeah, Operation Climax And then like another thing that was a bit more like, oh he just happened to fuck a few of them Okay, okay, okay It wasn't like his 100% 
top number one directive <laughs> but like they weren't unhappy that he was doing it because he was getting info okay anyway digression over what else did they give major william mayer that's not his name major william martin theater ticket stubs a bank letter giving out a letter nice. from the bank giving out to him they gave him a saint christopher's medal because they wanted to give the impression that he was catholic mm. more on that in a minute and so they finally got like complete sign off approval to action operation body get operation body snatch so um they were in deep on exactly what they needed in terms of a body and they got help from a pathologist called bernie spilsbury um and he was like okay in order to fool a spanish pathologist um needed to um make sure that the cause of death looked consistent with an air crash so it would be that the lungs might be filled with water they couldn't have any body that had died in a crash for example mm, because yeah. there'd be trauma on the body they couldn't have any disease that was visible on the body that would interfere with the idea of how it died you know they also needed a family that just didn't mind yes, that their the body loved one was going to be dropped out of a plane mm-hmm. and potentially manhandled by nazis so there was a lot of factors quite tricky they really ideally wanted somebody who died from pneumonia because pneumonia it would naturally occur there'd be lung fluid in the lungs um, and it would be a, a kind of a natural assumption to find that fluid and just believe that you were looking at seawater rather than... Anyway, so they got on to the very Englishly named Sir Bentley Purchase, <laughs> who was the head coroner at St. Pancras, who was apparently very witty. He was giving them directions to his office. It was a bit complicated. He said, well, you could just die in a road traffic accident and that would get you there too. <laughs> oh. So, um, Purchase, Bentley said, I should think bodies are the only commodities not in short supply at the moment. But even with bodies all over the place, each one has to be accounted for. But Purchase promised to look out for a body that was suitable. And they got lucky. Um, that is interesting, isn't it? That like every person, mm. everybody had to be found out who it was. That's all right. the identity, all the relatives notifi- yes. notified... It's mad how much humanity is totally lost in war. Mm. And then it's mad like what can be clung to in terms of like dignity for those lost and things like that and their families and stuff. It's just mad. So anyway, uh, Purchase got onto them. I've got a lad. So this guy was named, this this is a dead guy called Glendore Michael. Welsh. And he had just had a fucker of a life. So he was born in 1909. His dad killed himself by stabbing himself in the throat. Oof. Jesus Christ. Christ. Yes. His mom died uh, a few years later. Glendore was an alcoholic and he died at a warehouse having ingested rat poison 
and he sorry he was found alive at the warehouse but died two years two days later and very sad they didn't know if he was trying to take his own life with the rat poison but they also found that like the rat poison appeared to be on some bread so they also weren't sure if he had found the bread and just got incredibly unlucky yeah and like basically he was just like fucking on really hard times and he died and they were i mean not delighted but they might have had a brandy in celebration who knows it's been a long few months pretending to be <laughs> Bill and Pam and wearing uniforms around the place and getting ticket stubs. But the mission was on. The mission was on. So um, Bentley said that the small amount of poison in the system wouldn't be identified um, in a body. They, he felt it was okay. They were a bit worried that poor old Glendor, because he was quite undernourished, didn't look like a high-ranking officer. Yeah. But... They went ahead. They were like, well, what the fuck else can we do, Clean, frankly? shaved. Yeah. Now, problem. Cut. They needed a photo for the photo ID. But... He was dead. They kept... As much as they tried to get him to look less dead in every picture... More and more dead looking. It was pretty obvious that yeah. he was very dead. So then they had to go out and, like, troll London a for a lookalike. Now... They found one because white men, pretty generic. Mm. Um, and they then had a bit of a storage issue. They couldn't freeze the body because defrosting would be a mess. Yeah. But they could keep it kind of chilled. So they kept it chilled at a temperature of four degrees Celsius. Keep it on ice. That's yeah. the fridge. That's a fridge. This temperature. is fridge, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um. And Bentley was like, you've got to use this body in under three months or else it'll have decomposed past the point of usefulness, which is fairly grim. Three months? That's plenty of time. There's loads. There's loads of time. It's March, April. They still have a lot of shit to get going. Um, so anyway, uh, they made the letter that was saying that the Allies were coming through Greece. Sorry. Yeah. The letter said they were coming through Greece, which they weren't, but said in the letter that Sicily was the kind of cover story, ah. which was the real plan. Yes. So it was kind of like a... We acknowledge that you might think we're coming the way that is logistically the most likely. Well, it's like... But we're not. Yeah, but it's also like, it's kind of a double bluff. Mm. Because they are p putting it forward as the decoy <laughs> and the decoy is actually the real plan. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. In fact, it's so funny because you've said the fool me once quote from Bush several times today alone. And I actually have it here in the text. I was like, oh, ho, ho. now's the time. Now I got the full quote. Do you want to hear it again? Yeah. There's an old saying in Tennessee. <laughs> I know it's in Texas, probably in Tennessee. <laughs> That says, fool me once, shame on, shame on you. Fool me, you can't get fooled again. He's <laughs> all over the place. So do you know what's really cool? They did, all right? They folded up the letter and they put an eyelash in the fold of the letter and put it in the envelope. Mm. The eyelash being put there so that if they ever got it back. They could see if anyone had opened it. Bingo. Bingo, bango. 
So it's deadly. In the early you're hours. On top of, you're on the ball here. You I'm are. still trying to figure out that double bluff. <laughs> <laughs> We've left Cassie a couple of streets I'm still back. Like, okay. Where are they going? So the letter said Allies are coming through Greece. Which they're not. Which they are not. They're coming through Sicily. And then the letter also was like, but if anyone asks, say we're going through Sicily because Sicily's like the decoy thing. And then that Sicily's actually where they really are coming okay, to as well. Okay, okay. So it's yeah. interesting because it seems yeah. like they're pointing two fingers to Sicily. Or have they just foolishly suggested Sicily when no one was thinking about it anyway? No, no. People were definitely thinking about okay. Sicily. Okay. <laughs> there was Nazis just everywhere as well. Okay. So they were always going to encounter some. I guess it. I guess it. Anyway, look, did the plan fool me work? once? Shame on you. Fool me. You can't get fooled again. Did they drop it out of a plane? No. So what they did is early hours of seventeenth of April, nineteen forty-three. They dressed um, Door as. Mayor uh, Martin, Bill Martin. Um, one last minute hitch, Glendor's feet had frozen. Oh, desperate. Yes. Um, so they had to get out the electric heaters and right. defrost the feet. Oh, so they go could, a little too far they could there. Frost, sloppy yeah. jalopy. Yeah, they kind of had to defrost them enough that they could just get the fucking boots on oh, them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rigor mortis. They put all the pocket litter on the body, and then they had the briefcase attached, and then they had they put the body in a canister, which was filled canister. with twenty-one pounds, so like ten kilos of dry ice, and sealed up. I see. And so then, when the ice. When the dry ice kind of evaporated, mm-hmm. it filled the canister with carbon dioxide. Yes. Which drove out but oxygen. Okay. Thus preserving the body Further. for the final stretch. Right. Amazing. Yeah. Isn't that clever? Yeah. So then they put the capsule canister on a van. The driver, Singen Jock Horseful. Yeah. Who, yes. And it's really funny because I think that is how you say that name. St. John. St. John. Yeah. yeah. They love a bit of that, don't they? Mm. I mean, I know we're bad as well with all the, you know, BHD, HGH and shit. But, but that's like, a legitimately bit different that's language. That's a language. That's a language decision. Okay, anyway. Um, so he, your man, uh, Jock, was his kind of nickname. He'd been a racing champion before the war. Did you Here know? we go. But never been to a race. <laughs> <laughs> never entered a car. St. John's never even been in a car. <laughs> Uh, and then in the back Jumbly and Montague In the back of the van Bouncing around With the canister of the body Up through Spain they go Well they're actually In England still Sorry okay. They're trying to get them On the submarine So Up in Scotland They're fucking Entered the submarine They section. put the canister On the submarine The HMS Seraph And That is when Lieutenant Bill Jewell who is in charge of the submarine, took the submarine on board, told all of his crew that the canister contained a top secret weather predicting device. Okay. And that we were they were going to deploy it in Spain. So no Ooh. one on the sub knew that they were carrying the body of a fake uh, mayor. So uh, they headed off got down to just off the coast uh, of Spain and bombed twice en route. Mm. Yeah, hairy, bit hairy. So then they, uh, on the 30th of April, they surfaced and 
Bill had the canister brought up on deck and then sent every member of crew back below deck, except like maybe two really senior guys. They opened the container and lowered the body into the water and read Psalm 39. So a bit of a prayer. Mm. And then... A bit late for They... Mm. And like they'd already been like kind of jigging them around a lot. Mm. Yeah. I don't, it's a bit of... It's a bit too little too late. Isn't it, it is. Well. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, they then like kind of turned the sub so that like the waves would kind of push the body towards the shore. And then they like, I don't know, they were trying to get the canister to like sink and they eventually, I think they kind of shot it with machine gun fire so that it would take on water because it was refusing to sink. Because they couldn't have the canister wash up beside him and then be a bit like, huh? So anyway, um, it worked really fucking well. Uh, Like uh, the fake guy was found that day. Literally later that day, with the excitement, wouldn't you? How would they? How did they know he was found? Were they watching somehow? uh, Because the Brits in Spain didn't even know this was a plan. This was a plan. Mm. Like so few people knew that this plan, which I think I've neglected to say, was called Operation Mincemeat. Oh my god! Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So after they got him off the sub, Bill Jewel like texted Chumley and Montague presumably and was like just on the group chat mincemeat completed so anyway um yeah the uh Brits kind of started sending frantic telegrams um basically with the idea that the Nazis would interrupt intercept the telegrams Mm. and cotton on to the fact that a really important high-ranking British official has just been found in Spain yeah and so, like I said, the British Council in Spain didn't even know what was going on. So they were trying as hard as anyone to get the body and get the Brit, the briefcase. So I think it like lended it probably a ring of truth to it all. This, this, uh, the Spanish were very like, oh, I don't know who we're going to give this guy. Everyone back off. Yeah. You know, when you were like, had sweets in primary school. Yeah. Yeah. They were like that. Anyway, um, the British were like, don't do an autopsy <laughs> because this guy's Catholic. So it's ah. against the Catholic Church to like autopsy a body apparently at the time or whatever. And so that was another thing that they were kind of kind of betting on that yeah. they would get out of doing the autopsy and notice that like it was actually a three month old corpse. Um, so anyway, apparently they did sort of start to investigate the corpse and uh, like somebody present, one of the British guys was like, look, it's very hot, uh, isn't it? And this corpse is just rank smells we go get lunch and they were all like yeah so they signed a death cert for major william martin said cause of death asphyxiation through immersion in the sea wonderful and the body was released by the spanish and buried in a cemetery uh with full military honors on the 2nd of may meanwhile um the briefcase the Spanish Navy had kept the briefcase and um, they didn't hand it over to the Germans immediately. But basically, bit of pressure from various quarters um, meant that they got to, the Germans got a hold of the document um, 
what they got was so the document was still all damp and stuff like it's mm. mad that kind of like so many different factors could have gone wrong like yeah. submersion in the sea could have ruined this thing so anyway they got it out of the envelope with like a little probe that they rolled it into a tiny cylindrical shape and like extracted it from the envelope so as not to break the wax seal. So interesting. All the care yeah. taken on both sides. Mm. They didn't want anyone to know that they had read this thing, you know. And so they dried the letter, photographed the contents of the letter, and then the Nazis soaked it in salt water and then reinserted it into the envelope um, never breaking the seal, but of course, the eyelash, the eyelash had fallen out. <gasps> so they passed the information to the Germans. The Germans had, so between the body washing up and the Germans getting wind of the fake intel, it was like only just over a week. And so they sent the message um, that it looked like the uh, Allies were coming in through Greece and uh churchill you ready here's your little bit of churchill and um, churchill got a message saying mince meat swallowed rod line and sinker by the right people from the best information they look like they're acting on it so they did act on it so basically the nazis had fucking loads of people stationed ready Greece. up by sicily by sicily yes mm. And they moved 90,000 mm. military soldiers down to Greece. Fucking hell. Yeah, all their artillery, tanks, everything. So, um, come July, the Allies sent 160,000 soldiers through Sicily. They lost only, now I know it's still a big number, but compared to what they were expecting, they only lost 7,000 soldiers. 160,000. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. Went up. Yeah. Fucking hell. And so, like, for context, they expected to lose 10,000 casualties in the first three days. And they lost <clears throat> 1,400 in the first week. Wow. So, a fraction of what they were kind of, like, making a conservative guess, like, we'll have to lose, like... Mm. And they also predicted that they would lose 300 boats in the first three days. And in the end, they only lost 12 ships total. So very successful mission. And they thought that it would take them 90 days to come up through Sicily. It was over in 38. Hmm. Because so much of the manpower had been moved down to Greece. So it also was an interesting had an interesting kind of outcome as well because because they were all doing their fucking kerfuffle down in Europe's gusset mm. uh, Hitler took his eyes off the ball over up north and um, the Soviets uh, were able to um, hold their border you know like he had been mm. on a focused attack um, up there um, in Kursk and when they just redeployed so many different manpower and, manpower, manpower. manpower and stuff like that 
it just it just they say it changed the course of, of course the it war did. yeah and um like really consolidated the allies position in europe and stuff and like the war then was kind of pretty much over uh within the year amazing. well like a oh, year hence or whatever amazing story yes so montague appointed uh officer of the order of the british empire for his part in operation mincemeat so he got that for wearing the outfit. Yes. And then Chumley appointed member of the order. He got that from Bang and Pam. Yeah. And then um, they had <clears throat> all of this stuff was kept completely under wraps uh, after the war and stuff. But um, they, somebody wrote a novel and included this whole idea of the cor- the corpse and even called him like William Merrington as opposed to William Martin and shit like that. And so basically the British security services decided that with this all out in a novel, yeah. it was better for them to just kind of own the narrative. Yeah. So they basically were like, we're going to come clean on Operation Mincemeat. And what they did was had Montague write a book over the course of a weekend, apparently. Fucking hell. And the book was called The Man Who Never Was. And it sold two million copies. Bloody. And as a true book. Like as. It's a true account. Yeah. 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 And they did keep some of the details um, out so that it couldn't be like, sorry. What about the, the used the, against the, them in future war? The man, the real man who died, his family. I mean, they, they. Well, his parents were dead, yeah. and he was kind of a drifter. So okay. basically, there was never any family that came forward. They uh, gave, they buried him with full military honors, yeah. and had the like twenty-one gun salute and everything. And on his gravestone, it reads, "Glendor Michael served as Major William Martin," yeah. um, and. In 2021, actually, the Jewish American Society for Historic Preservation uh, placed a memorial for him in London. It's quite interesting. In the mortuary Mm. where his body was found. Uh, Fascinating shit. Absolutely amazing. I love this final weird fact. A Welsh theatre company produced a musical of the Operation Mincemeat, all about Glendor's upbringing in Wales and stuff. And the musical was performed by primary school children. Wow. No better people. So I don't know how the children fared with some of the darker themes of the narrative. The suicide, the alcoholism, the the corpse. Straight Um, over. But I would have fucking loved to have seen it. Absolutely blown away by that. There we have it. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you. And thank you, the listener. Yes, thank you, listeners. Um, She will see you again. We might. Stick we definitely around. will. We'd love to see you. And we'll talk see to you then. Nice. Okay, bye. I'm spinning now. Bye. Do a bit of Churchill. Sign us off with Churchill. We fought them on the beaches. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the Patreon. And the Patreon. Uh, thank you. <laughs> Bye-bye. Um, that was brilliant. We- Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.